Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I am bringing you today's word for November 16th, 2020. I'm teaching a series entitled Greater is Coming. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that greater is coming for you. If you are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, called according to God's plan and purpose and work for your life, that you are destined, that you are designed for such a time as this. If you yield to God, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, if you apply God's word and you walk out your destiny, greater is coming for you. It is what God planned for you to have, for what God planned for you to do while you're in the land of the living. Say amen to that. All right. So this is part 66 of the series. Greater is coming. Part 66. And the title of today's message is when others cause you pain, when others cause you pain. If you, if you want to Walk with God for the long haul. You are going to have to stick in it uh, and not give up even when other people cause you unnecessary pain and setbacks and disappointments. Let's talk about it. So today I'm covering 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 20 through 30. Uh, So let's cover it. You ready? Here we go. So in Friday's message, in the last message, Friday's message, we saw how David's life finally took a turn for the better, right? It's like the winds of change were were blowing and they were blowing in David's direction. He had favor. He had favor with Abner, General Abner. This is the man that was David's enemy, right? General Abner was the man to ensure that Ishbosheth was placed as king over 11 of the 12 tribes and not David. And then Ishbosheth and Abner had a falling out and, and Abner is now, now like, hey, I want to help you, David. I want you to become the king of unified Israel. And David's like, thank you, Jesus. Right? You ever been there with somebody who has the power, who has the influence, who has the authority? And they're saying, I want to help you. And I just want to help you because I want to help you. And you're like, I want the help. Yeah, praise God. And so now uh, Abner was ready to change sides. Abner was ready to help David. And this was all good news for David. And to make a good situation even better, when Abner comes to see David, he brought Michael with him, right? Michael was his first wife and his first love. And so Abner went to Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth went to his sister and said, Hey, I know you're married to this dude, but you got to go back to David. So they grab uh, Michael, and, and Abner takes Michael and takes him back to David. And David's like, man, I got the the first love of my life back. Uh, I got this man that's ready to help me to become the king. It's like, oh my, thank you, Lord. Like everything is finally falling in place, right? So Abner comes to Hebron with Michael and 20 of his men. And Abner and David, they have a meeting and they talk about how things are going to go down and everything is looking good. And Abner said, okay, listen, hey, David, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call. I'm asking you for permission, sir. I'm asking for permission to help you. And and this is what I want to do. I want to call for a nationwide assembly. I want to call for an assembly of all 12 tribes. You're king over one, right? Ishbosheth, I'm going to get rid of that dude. So we're going to call for an assembly of all 12 tribes. And once everybody's there and, and, you know, everybody listens to me, I'm going to say it's time for David to be king. And David was like, yes, 
Yes, sir. You have my permission. Yeah, like, yeah, I like that idea. And so now uh, Abner was like, all right, cool. So I'm going to go and I'm going to go set up the assembly. He was like, yes, please do that. And then he leaves. So while this is going on, Joab, which is David's general, Joab was out and he was out doing a raid, conducting a raid. And so he does the raid. He comes back with the spoils, the plunder. And while they're divvying that up, Joab heard that Abner was in town and that he just left. And so Joab comes running to David. Remember, in, in Joab's mind, Abner is the enemy. So he comes running. He's like, yo, what happened? Why'd you let him leave? You know, we could have killed him while he was here. He's like, no, 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 stop. Let me tell you what's going on. And so David told Joab what's going on. And it was like, no, man, he's, he's here to help. And he's going to help me. And he's about to make me king. And he's going back. He's going to call this assembly and blah, blah, blah. And Joab was like, nah, nah. Joab didn't believe it. Joab thought that Abner was a spy and that David was deceived, right? So he took it upon himself. Oh, my God. I mean, just think about this. He took it upon himself to send some of his people, say, yo, go catch up with Abner and tell him to come back to Hebron because we forgot something. And so they go and they catch up with Abner and say, hey, uh, they need you back in Hebron. So he was like, okay, cool. So he comes back. And when he comes back, then um, Joab says, hey, let me highlight you real quick. So all the men are in the room. And he says, no, I need to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, private, in private. It's like, yeah, what's up? So they go off to a little spot in private. And while they're there in private, Joab pulls out a knife and stabs Abner in the stomach and kills him. You got to be kidding me. I mean, like he's this close. David is this close to becoming king of all of Israel. And this is the one man who has the influence. And this dude thinks he's doing something good for David and stabs him in the stomach and kills him. Just like that. The Bible says that he killed him. Why? Because, because Abner had killed his brother. So he was doing it out of revenge. Now he said that he was doing it because he was trying to help David, but he did it in the flesh. And oh my God, this is crazy. So when David found out, oh, when David found out what Joab did, now David is pissed and he's furious and he called and, and he says, listen, this is what David says. And, and then we'll get into the message. David said, I vow by the Lord, my God and my kingdom. Uh, I vow by the Lord and my kingdom that we are innocent of this crime. We did nothing to Abner, the son of Ner. Now, Joab and his family are the guilty ones. Now, this is what ooh, David was was hot. David said, may the family of Joab be cursed. In every generation with a man who has open sores or leprosy or who walks with crutches or who dies by the sword or who begs for food. My God, he just like pronounced a curse over Joab and his whole legacy. Right. And so that's where we're going to stop for today. Now, what does this mean for you today? You're like, OK, well, Rick, man, you're really into this story, but it's Monday morning and I got a lot of work to do. OK, I got you. I got you covered. What does this mean? for you today, because now we got to deal with like real life. Uh, so I have four things to share with you on this morning. And as I get into these four things, based on this story, I want you to open up your heart to receive four things. Number one, here we go. You ready? Number one, God is not the author of confusion or deception. I know a lot of people from our church are, are, are watching this uh, from VCMI and our pastors have been teaching on overcoming the spirit of deception. And sometimes People are deceived and they think they're trying to help you, but they're not really helping you, right? So God is not the author of confusion and he's not the author of, of uh, deception. The apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33. So the underlying point 
about the fact that God is not the author of confusion is that Satan is. Satan is always trying to get people confused, to stir up confusion. He will deceive them. Just like God is always working, Satan is always working too. Satan is the master of deception. He tries to deceive you and all those around you so he can cause confusion. Because watch this, without clarity, there could be no unity of effort. In the military, we did a lot of teaching on unity of effort, right? So if you want to become the man that God called you to be, and if you are going to lead an organization to accomplish whatever God called you to accomplish universally, there has to be unity of effort, but there can be no unity of effort where there's confusion, where there's a lack of clarity. And what the enemy does is attempts to stir up confusion, to tear people down, to cause division and deception. David had been waiting to be king, the king of Israel for over 10 years. And now he had a man, Abner, the one man with the influence to make it happen. This man was going to make his dream come to pass. He was this close. Oh my God, he could taste it. He was this close. And then another man, Joab, comes in and killed the man with influence. Why? Because he was deceived. He thought he was helping David. He was like, oh, David doesn't know what he's talking about. This dude is a spy. Let me get... No, no, no. He was deceived and he was operating in the flesh. See, Satan can deceive people. Now, let me say this. Look at me. Satan can take good people with good intentions and deceive them into doing his bidding. And while they, they're convinced that they're actually doing something for God, they, they think that they're doing something to help you. And they are so deceived that they can't see that they're actually hurting and not helping. Joab thought he was doing the right thing, but he was operating in the flesh. Joab actually thought he was doing the right thing. But no, he was seeking. The underlying point was he was seeking revenge for his brother. And the point here is that you got people who love God, who say that they love you, but they can cause you unnecessary setbacks, disappointments, grief, and delay because they were deceived by the enemy into thinking that what they were doing, which is wrong, is right. See, the devil will confuse people and deceive them into thinking that wrong looks right, and they're doing it. Even They will even say that they're doing it for God, but they're not because they're deceived. So if you walk with God long enough, Listen, if you want to do what God has called you to do, and if you walk with God long enough, you are going to have to develop the, the, the spiritual discernment required to identify deception and cut down on confusion. Because if not, you're going to have lots of setbacks and pain. And of course, Satan is happy. Satan is happy when there's confusion and deception and setbacks and disappointment. He thrives on all of that stuff. But as a born-again believer, you're thriving on clarity and focus and peace and unity. So the last point that I'll make here as I close out this first point is that you got to consider the people that you have around you. Consider them carefully and prayerfully. Joab caused David a lot in our text. See, sometimes it's the people that are closest to you that can cause you the most pain. <laughs> so you got to make sure that you select the people in your inner circle wisely, prayerfully, Consider them and then pray for them. Pray for them. And then if they're in your inner circle and you're going to walk together, the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? If you're going to walk together with somebody that's in your inner circle, communicate with them. Be open with them. Be honest with them. David did that. And then there has to be a level of trust. See, David told Joab what happened, but Joab didn't trust the God in David. You got to be able to trust one another. And, and believe me when I tell you, look, God told me, that, no, this is it. God told me, now, if you don't believe that, that God said this to me, then pray for me, right? Pray for me or communicate with me. But we can't, we can't walk together if there's not a level of trust there. So as a believer, 
Basically, Joab thought he knew better than David. You got to be careful who you have around you because when you got people that are very close to you who think that they're trying to help you, but they could be deceived, then it can cause you lots of pain. And as a believer, you still have to pray for them, love them, and then press through it. Amen? All right, number two. Man, I told you I got four things, right? Number two. Sometimes, um, here's the truth. You want to walk with God? You want to become the man, the woman that God called you to be? Here's the truth. Sometimes you're going to experience setbacks and you had nothing to do with it. You will experience setbacks at no fault of your own. This is why the series is about faith and patience, about believing God for the long haul. David did nothing wrong in this text, but he experienced a tremendous setback. He had been believing God for over 10 years to become the king of Israel, and he was this close to becoming it. And then here comes this setback, right? I mean, so what happens is at the end of the day, and this happened because of someone else. Sometimes these things are going to happen, but you have to have resolve for you to become the man, the woman that God called you to be for such a time as this. You must be determined that you are going to press through anything that comes your way, that you will press through setbacks and pain and delays and disappointments and all of that. Why? Because you know that greater is coming. You know that the only way you can lose is if you quit. All right. Number three, number three. My pastor, my spiritual father, Apostle Tony Brazelton, he says this all the time. Number three, you can't just know God in a book. I've made this point before. I'm going to repeat it today. You cannot just know God in a book. We serve a real God who deals with real people with real problems in real ways. So if you've been following the story of David, we've been following in his life for over 10 years now. We've been studying this thing. And, and although he was called, although he was destined, although the prophet came, although the prophet anointed him, you are the next king of Israel, all of that, he still had to deal with real life challenges. And, and so my point here is that you can't just know God in a book. Your, your relationship with God can't be about just reading the Bible, singing some songs in church, reading some hymns and doing some religious activity. Like you, you, you can't just know God like that. Your, your, your life your learning has to turn into living. You have to turn the corner from information to application. You have to go from classroom to lab to hands-on. You got to know God in real life. You must know God through experiences. David was a man after God's own heart. You know why? Because he had real problems, real issues, real challenges with real people, and he believed God to show up in a real way every time. So if you walk with God, you are going to have to believe God through good times and bad. There are going to be times where where you're like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I was this close. I can't believe such and such did this to me. Oh my God, why did you? No, you have to believe God through it all. Through all of that, if you want to maximize the purpose and the potential that God placed inside of you from the foundations of the world, you have to be determined to keep going no matter what comes your way. And then number four and finally, last point for today as I close, your job is to stay the course. Your job is to continue mission. Charlie Mike, your job is to keep going. I'm going to close. Uh, uh, you know, you can't, the only way you can lose is if you quit. So I'm going to read uh, some scriptures, four scriptures for you that drive home this point uh, that I'm making. And then we'll close out with the declaration. You ready? So here's some closing scriptures. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, he said, all who live godly shall suffer persecution as part of the package. In John 16 and 33, Jesus said, I've told you this so that in trusting me, you can have unshakable and assured peace. Now in this godless world, you will have difficulties, but be of good cheer because I've already conquered the world. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, Paul said, we as born again, blood-bought believers, people who love God, we are pressed on every side by trouble, real trouble, 
but we're not crushed. We are perplexed by real stuff, but we are not in despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We are knocked down, but we are not knocked out. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10 and 39, but we're not quitters. We're not like the quitters who lose out. Oh no, we stay with it and we survive trusting God every step of the way. Last scripture for this morning as I close, James 5 and 10, the Bible says, take the prophets of old as your mentors. They put up with anything and they went through everything and they never once quit all the time honoring God. Then James says this, what a gift life is to those who stay the course. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. My message to you is stay the course. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and say this. Say, Father, in your word, I am reminded that you're a real God who manifests himself to real people who face real challenges and you do it in real ways. So with that in mind, I declare by faith that I don't just read the Bible. I live it. I experience what those who have gone before me experience. I don't just have head knowledge of your word. I have real life experiences with you. David was destined, but he had to wait on the manifestation of your timing. Like David, I am destined for greatness. This does not mean I will not face opposition. What it does mean is that you have already given me the grace to face every obstacle, challenge, issue, problem, attack, and attacker, and face them head on. I have the grace to overcome every setback, delay, postponement, and disappointment, even when I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> so no matter what, Father, I shall never quit. I keep fighting, pressing, marching, and believing with my trust in you. This is why I can declare greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, go to todaysword.org and sign up and get the messages. They're going to be a blessing to you. Listen, don't you want my notes? Go to When you go to today's word and click on the subscribe button, put in your email, you're going to get all my notes in your email inbox on a daily basis. Go into this day knowing that setbacks, even when other people cause you pain, even when you had nothing to do with it, you still have the grace for it. You have the grace to keep going no matter what comes your way, whether it was a self-inflicted wound or it was something that somebody did, at the end of the day, you have the grace for it. Never give up. Never cave in. Never quit. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. Do me a favor. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message has been a blessing to you. And then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I love you and God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.